0: Trump is no longer president, which means the work has only begun. But how did we get here? I'm your host, Kara Zelaya, and every month, Daily Coast will take you on a four part conversation over one specific issue, all from a progressive perspective. We will highlight how our government has created a broken system, who that system disproportionately affects, and how we can counteract and move forward towards a more fair society. This month, we're discussing student debt. Hello, and welcome to How Did We Get Here? This is the second episode of a four-part series where we will be discussing student debt. Last week, we discussed some of the history behind higher education and our current student debt crisis along with an overview of the larger causes. This week, I want to talk about who is disproportionately affected and why. But first, I want you to listen to Representative Ayanna Presley speak on this matter.
1: Let me be clear, the student debt crisis has always been a racial and economic justice issue, but for too long, The narrative has excluded black and Latinx communities and the ways in which this debt has exacerbated deeply entrenched racial and economic inequities in our nation. These disparities didn't just magically occur. They are the consequences of generations of systemic racism, discrimination, and what I call policy violence that has systemically denied black and Latinx families the opportunity to build wealth forcing our families to take on greater rates of student debt for the chance at the same degree as our white counterparts. This pandemic has made it all but impossible to ignore the fact that we can and we must take bold action to address the inequities and disparities in our country and provide much needed relief to our communities. Canceling student debt by executive action is one of the most effective ways with the stroke of a pen That we can provide sweeping relief to millions of families, help reduce the racial wealth gap, and begin to build the groundwork for an equitable and just long-term recovery to truly build back better. Our communities cannot afford to make the same mistakes of the past. I serve on the Financial Services Committee. Take the 2008 financial crisis, for example, when lawmakers bailed out Wall Street and abandoned black and brown communities who lost everything. Many have yet to recover. So as we work to ensure an equitable recovery to the current crisis, we cannot afford to simply tinker around the edges. As lawmakers, we have a responsibility to ensure that our long-term recovery efforts leave no community behind. And that's why we're here today. We're here to demand responsive legislation to the needs of the movement who delivered this victory. Mm -hmm. To finally center our most vulnerable and marginalized communities to demand a recovery that finally invests in people. Because that's what student debt cancellation is. It's an investment in the people, particularly black and brown families, who we know will spend that money back into their communities and stimulate our economy at a time when we need it most. Now, our resolution has over 50 co-sponsors in the House, and a record level of support across both chambers of Congress. We're joined by over 325 grassroots organizations in calling on President Biden to take executive action to cancel student loan debt. Again, the momentum is building, the coalition is growing. This is the moment of reckoning, and the president must heed our calls with the stroke of a pen. President Biden can provide relief to tens of millions of families across the country, close the racial wealth gap, and set our nation on a path to a long-term, just, and equitable recovery.
0: Representative Presley said it better than I, or I think anyone else could, but let's delve into some of these stats. According to a Brookings report, A black college graduate finishes with about $23,000 worth of debt on average versus $16,000 for a white student. Now, if those numbers sound a little bit low to you, that's because they are. This stat includes non-borrowers. If you were looking only at the borrowers, the numbers are even bigger. And that gulf between Black borrowers and white borrowers actually gets much bigger after college because Black students tend to borrow a lot more for graduate school. This is where this conversation gets even trickier. According to the Center for Responsible Lending, a Black household with a college-educated head has less wealth than a white family whose head did not even obtain a high school diploma. It takes a postgraduate education for a black family to have even comparable levels of wealth to a white household with some college education or an associate's degree. I feel like it's important to really sit down and listen to that. Many Americans see a college education as a luxury, as a signal of wealth, as a poor choice, But when you are faced with those stats that a black head of house who is college educated will obtain less wealth than his white counterpart who did not even graduate high school, we have to come to terms with the fact that student debt is a racial justice issue. The wealth gap also disproportionately affects Latinx families. Latinx students and their families are already financially behind their white peers, with whites holding 8.3 times the median wealth of Latino families. Beyond the ability to pay back the student loans, the National Center for Education Statistics reports that 86.6% of black students borrow federal loans to attend four-year colleges, compared to 59.9% of white students. And black student loan borrowers default on their loans at five times the rate of white graduates. A report from the Washington Center for Equitable Growth found that upon graduation, young black adults face a harder time paying off their student loans with labor markets characterized by racial discrimination and with an urgent need to secure paid employment to pay off their debt, regardless of whether those jobs align with their career aspirations. What we're seeing is college graduates who were already disproportionately discriminated against through all of their upbringing, who were able to break through the system to go to college and then be disproportionately affected through the lending process, disproportionately affected through their compensation, and flat out discriminated in the job market. Because of centuries of oppression, brown and black students do not inherit the generational wealth that their white counterparts do. A college education is the fastest ticket out of poverty for anyone in the United States. But to offset the financial benefits of college by crippling student loans that should have never been incurred in the first place is a social justice issue. The racial justice component of student debt reform is a particularly difficult side of this issue for me to grapple with. As an immigrant, raised in an immigrant community in the United States, it was expressly said to me in countless ways to assimilate as much as possible, to educate myself as much as possible, in many ways to whitewash myself as much as possible. And our higher education system is designed for first-generation people of color to stumble throughout the entire process. Because much of society is designed for us to stumble through. And then to be able to make it to the other side of achieving an education, and to find that there is one enormous obstacle left to overcome, is a continued failure of the American promise. Especially while all the other economic systems in this country continue to disproportionately discriminate against people of color. If you'd like to tune in next week, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next week as we continue discussing student debt reform and what changes we can make to create a more equitable society. I'm Kara Zelaya and it's been a pleasure talking to you. See you next week.